0: This could be helpful. Let me add this disclaimer. This is not theologically accurate but it's funny nonetheless. On the first day God created a dog and said sit by the door of your house all day long and bark at everyone who comes in, goes out, or passes by. And if you'll do this dog I'll give you a lifespan of 20 years. The dog said that's too long to do all that barking. Why don't you give me 10 years and I'll give you 10 back. And God agreed. On the second day God created the monkey and said entertain people, do monkey tricks make them laugh and if you'll do this monkey I'll give you a 20 year lifespan." The monkey said that's a long time to entertain people, why don't you do like the dog did and just give me 10 years and I'll give you 10 back and God agreed. On the third day God created the cow and said you're going to go into the field with the farmer all day long and suffer under the sun. You're going to have calves and provide milk to support the farmer's family. And for this cow, I'm going to give you a 60-year lifespan. The cow said, that's a long time for all that work. I tell you what, why don't you just give me 20 years and I'll give you 40 back. And God agreed. The next day, God created man and said, eat, sleep, play, enjoy yourself. And for this, I'm going to give you 20 years. And the man sat back and he said, wait a minute, God, wait a minute. 20 years to eat, sleep, come on. Hey, I got an idea. How much you give me my 20 and you give me the 40 that the cow gave you back and you give me the 10 the monkey gave you back and you give me the 10 the dog gave you back and make it 80. And God agreed. So that's why for the first 20 years we eat, sleep, play, and enjoy ourselves. How many of you see this train of coming? (laughs) The next 40 years we slave under the sun to support our families. The next 10 years, we do monkey tricks to entertain the grandchildren. And the last 10 years, we sit on the front porch and bark at everybody who goes by. There you go. That's live explained. <laughs> all right, let's get to work. Uh, we got a lot to do today. In all seriousness, the reason I told that joke is I really do want to explain life to you. And if you're a note taker, I want you to write down this word because this word is really so critical. It's a very, very important word. We're going to use it over and over today. It's a word that I would say that all, listen closely, all of earth and all of heaven is based on this one word. In fact, Jesus in Matthew 22 said you can summarize the Bible, this whole book, with this one word. It's a big word it's an important word if you understand it you realize the power it has to change your life it's simply the word relationships that's the word relationships the quality of your life on earth is going to be determined by your relationships and wouldn't you agree that heaven is also determined by relationships it's not what you know that gets you to heaven it's who you know that determines where you spend eternity relationships everything your relationship decisions are the most important decisions you will ever make in your entire life in fact let me say it this way the one thing that has the most influence on who you are right now is the people in your life hands down it's your relationships one person said your net worth is determined by your network your net worth is determined by your network Jesus said this in Matthew 18 20 he goes hey this is pretty important or where two or three gather together as my followers I'll step into that circle so here's the question why is Jesus so interested in relationships and the answer is really simple and yet it's quite profound in fact write this down he he knows that real life change takes place in the context of relationships he knows that Real life change doesn't happen if you attend a service. It doesn't matter where you go to school or attend college. It doesn't happen based on what you know or understand. Real life, your real life is going to change based on the people that are in your life. That's why Jesus said, if you're intentional about your gatherings, I'll step into the middle of that and do something pretty powerful. So last week we started our small group sign-ups. And... um, Pastor Josh and I agreed, we've never had more than 130 people sign up for small groups in our previous two semesters, and we believe in this so strongly, we don't, again, think this is important, we think this is vitally important to you, and we agreed that if we got 200 people to sign up, 200 individual people to sign up, then we would take a dunk next week in an ice-cold bath of 450 gallons of ice water, and in the first day, we had 220 of you sign up. <laughs> yeah hope it's warm next Sunday so we're going to do that we'll just dismiss service next week after we have Corey it'll be fun we'll go out in the front lawn and we'll uh, we're going to get wet bub. but here's the thing is I want to raise the annie, and so I know there's like 150 of you that didn't sign up that were here last week so uh, I have asked our office staff And Nancy and Cindy and Casey and yes, even Kathy are taking the plunge next week if we get to 300. Come on. Who wants to see Kathy take the plunge? Come on. All right. All right. Let's do it. All right. (laughs) Now, again, there's a lot of you that aren't signed up for small groups. And immediately, if you're like most people, you start giving me the reasons why you're not signed up for small groups. So I want to address that first, why you are not signed up, why you wouldn't do it. And then I'm going to give you some strong reasons to convince you of why you should. That's my purpose today. I think this is so important. We're going to spend one more week talking about why this is important in your life. First, a verse. Ecclesiastes 4 verse 8 says this. There was a man all alone. In fact, I want to dedicate this to the person who would say, you know what? I'm around people. I have people all around me, but I really feel all alone. Like I'm in a crowd, and yet I feel disconnected. He had neither son nor brother. And now that's not just talking about biological relatives either. He, he didn't have anybody close to him. And so look at what happens as a result. There was no end to his toil. In other words, life does not work alone. And so he tries to substitute something else in the place of relationships. It says, yet his eyes were not content with his wealth. He said, maybe I'll just work harder. Maybe maybe I'll just spend some more hours at the office. Maybe I'll pick up a hobby or make more money. And none of that scratched that itch because real life change, as we talked about, takes place in the context of relationships. The most important decision you will ever make in your life, in my opinion, is relational. You want life explained, as we did in the joke. You want life explained? Relationships. That's life explained. Walking alone never, never, never works. And so why would we walk alone? I want to give you some reasons or some excuses that people make. I don't want to spend a lot of time on these, but I think sometimes it helps to see the excuses on a screen and it kind of illuminates something in our hearts going, yeah, that's me. That's, that's my reason. So I want to debunk some of these reasons and, and talk about these and expose these this morning. Here's the first one, and that is naivety. Naivety. So, so in other words, some of you genuinely don't even know this is that important. Like you, you, you thought you could just handle it. You think you're tougher than you really are. And so, say, so I, I don't really, I don't know that I need this. I, <laughs> I heard a story, I don't even know if it's true, but it's really funny. I can see it being true. But Muhammad Ali, when he was in his prime fighting days, uh, he was on a plane. And, and the, the flight attendant comes over the intercom and says, Buckle your seatbelts, you know. And so uh, he doesn't buckle his seatbelt. So the flight attendant's making you making know, their way down the, the, the aisle there and sees Ali unbuckled and says, Sir, you're going to need to buckle your seatbelt. And Ali responds, says, Superman don't need no seatbelt. The flight attendant looks back at him and goes, Superman don't need no plane either, buckle up, right? <laughs> I can see that happening. Some of us are kind of like that. We say, man, I can handle my own self. And you're going to find out today that that's not true. All right, here's the second reason. That's just temperament. So some of you might say, I'm, I'm just not outgoing. I'm, I'm just, it's just not my personality. I'm shy. Right? And I would say respectfully to you, that's not good enough. That's not a good enough reason. Um, you're going you're gonna to see you need this today. Here's the third reason. I'm just trying to expose some of the reasons why we might be like that guy in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 where you're just going, I'm, I'm all alone. I'm around people. I just feel very alone. The third reason is Fear. In fact, I want to expose two fears that are associated with small groups. The first fear is what will happen when I go, and I get it. That is a real fear because we've got all these different small groups, and you go, like, "What's going to happen if I?" And even for an outgoing person, it is difficult to make a phone call and, "Hey, can you tell me what your group is about?" And then to go up to the door and to knock on the door—that is fearful. But especially if that's not your temperament, that's really, really fearful because you're like, what, "What's going to happen?" I open the door and everybody's already gathered, they're sitting in a circle waiting on me with a chair in the center and they make me sit in the center and they lay their hands on me and pray for me for four hours until I confess every sin that I've ever done. We don't do that until week two, okay, that's week two. <laughs> <laughs> it's jokes, I'm just kidding. <laughs> but it's kind of scary, you're like, I don't know what, what's going to happen, what will happen, Right? Listen, we don't do, do that in our small groups, and, uh, and it, but it's just a fear. There's also fear of exposing the real you to be, to be able to say to someone else, I'm kind of struggling with something here in my life, right? Uh, that's hard. Here, here, here's, here's my problem. That's a scary thing, too. I read about three guys that were getting real honest and vulnerable and transparent with each other, and they were all sharing in their small group. And One guy says, man, I, I'm, I'm struggling with with a pornography addiction, I've been looking at it, and it's, it's really eating at me. And especially when I'm away from my family on business trips, it's really getting out of hand. They said, man, let's pray for you. And the next guy chimes in. He goes, man, I've got a real problem with gambling. It's not recreational anymore. I put my family thousands of dollars in debt, and I'm investing in the stock market and making poor choices and going to Vegas every weekend I can. And the next guy says, I have a real problem with gossip, and I can't wait to get out of here. <laughs> hey, If if that's your fear, here's your secret. Share last. And you're good. Just share last and make sure nobody else has that problem. Um, I have a a small group. My small group is going to be Fight Club. And it's for men. And we're going to do it on Wednesday nights while the kids are active. We're going to be in here uh, doing Fight Club. And if you've seen the movie Fight Club, the number one rule of Fight Club is... You don't talk about fight club, and that's really the heart of it, is we're going to get real and honest and transparent and vulnerable with each other, and it's going to stay right here in this room. Because if we confess our sins to each other, James 5.16 says, and we pray for each other, you'll get healed. That's God's promise, not my promise. That's pretty cool. Um, Here's another one. Past experiences, just another reason or excuse. Some of us have been burned or wounded relationally, and instead of going and getting that wound healed, You have chosen to say, well, I'm just not going to participate in that anymore. And can I just say that's the wrong response? I understand it, but it's just the wrong response. I'm never going to let anybody hurt me in that way again. Can I also say that that happening in your world was not random? That was a play, an intentional designed play the devil ran to keep you from experiencing that which I'm talking about today we got to be careful we don't let our past experiences keep us from God's best future for our lives. Here's the last one, and this may be the worst one in my opinion. It is robbing us of healthy marriages and time with our kids. It's robbing us of our own health, spiritual health and physical health, and it's just the word busyness. We have let the world set our agendas for us. I'm already out eight nights a week, Reed. I don't have time. a small group. I'm too busy. I, I think it's a great idea. I just don't have too much on my plate. I want to ask you this question and ask this question of yourself. How much of your schedule is contributing absolutely nothing to your life? And how many things are you saying no to that if you said yes to would actually benefit your life greatly? Don't let your schedule dictate how you live. All of us from time to time need to step outside of ourselves. Analyze our schedule and cut out that stuff that's unnecessary or not needed. Again, I share with you five excuses or reasons people don't sign up for small groups. And even if you haven't signed up yet, I have a feeling most of you deep down are going, I know they would help me. I know they would benefit me. We know they're important principally, but we don't live that out practically. And nothing I've said has been untrue. I believe every single person in this room actually wants this because you were created to want this. I think we all want a Cheers bar. Remember Cheers? The show Cheers? Okay, If you're my age or older you remember Cheers. If you're younger than me it was about a bar <laughs> and it was owned by this former Red Sox pitcher named Sam Malone who didn't even drink and the whole premise was all of these customers and they really became more like family than customers and they didn't come to the Cheers bar because uh, the food was great or the, the, the beverages were exceptional they came because they, they were known. It was family. We're all together, we're in this together. And I, I like the show, okay, I love the theme song. I want to read to you the theme song. Uh, I'm not going to sing it. But this is what it says. Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Boy, isn't that a mouthful? That's true. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Some of you are thinking right now, yeah, that sounds good. I'd like to get away. Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to go where everybody knows your name. And the unfortunate thing is that's talking about a bar and not a church. Amen, everybody? I mean, that's what the church should be, a place where you could come and people could know your name and our struggles are the same, and we're going to help each other get over those things. I believe God designed the church to be that place to which some of you would say, well, that's the problem. Colonial Hill is too big. We have two services. We have 400 people. How is anybody going to know my name in a church this size? Yeah, well, we need the big. We need big church. We need the big because we want to accomplish the big. If I could just unload on you and tell you everything that's in this head of mine of things I want to accomplish in the next 30 years, some of you would go, that's not possible. Well, not with God, all things are possible with God. I think big, because we serve a big God. But we need a big church to do big things in this city and in our world. But we also need the small. We need the small group. We need to be big and we need to be small at the same time. That's why every one of us at Colonial Hill should join a small group. If you're listening to me, you're not even a part of our church. You need a small group. Now we do it free market style here. That's the way we do our small groups. There's lots of different iterations of how you would pull that off. Um, ours are free market, meaning that we have just people that chose interests that they're excited about. So we have a painting group, and we have a crafting group, and we have a stained glass group, and we have an eating group, and we have uh, uh, Lots of Bible studies. We have reading groups. We have fitness groups. We have walking groups. We have running groups. We have have 31 for you to choose from. All these different groups. And the whole heart of this is that you would find something that interests you and day one you already have something in common. We all want to study this part of the Bible. We all want to run together. We all want to play basketball together. There's lots of different things that you can sign up for. So they're all free market and we do them in semesters as well and that's intentional as well. So we have a start date, so they all start next Sunday, February 2nd. So if your, if your small group starts on Wednesday, it would actually start February 5th, a week from Wednesday. So they start that week, February 2nd through February 8th, and then they're going to run through May 2nd, February 2nd to May 2nd. We do that so that everybody gets the same on-ramp. One of the problems, and I love Sunday school, but one of the problems with our Bible study, study school hour is that there's always these communities and so you have a guest walk in and they kind of feel like an outsider for a few weeks until they get acclimated to the group because everybody already knows each other and not that we're cliquish but that's just I think human nature that we want to hang around our friends and you have somebody new come in and it's sometimes hard to break through in small groups everybody starts at the same time so that's a little easier we're all coming into the group together and we all end the group together and we try to end the groups at the busy times of the calendar year so we take a break in May and the beginning of June Then we do a six week, a semester in the summer and we break for August when we're starting back to school and getting our last minute vacations in. And then we start again in September and we go through Thanksgiving and then we break until uh, February 2nd. We break for the holidays because that's a, so we start and end intentionally to get more of you involved. It's my goal to get every one of you in a group. And listen, it is not because I'm trying to build a small group empire. It's because I'm a pastor and I genuinely care about you and I really feel like this will help you that's why I'm doing it I could care less join another church's small group I just want you to be in a small group because I think that's what's best to care for you I want to read this verse in fact I want you to read this verse out loud with me it's Romans 12 verse 5 come on everyone full voice here we go since we are all one body in Christ we belong to each other and each of us needs all the others we need each other. Look at your neighbor and say, you need me. Come on, say it with conviction. You need me. Now look at your second choice. The one you didn't look at and say, you need me too. We always have a second choice. <laughs> For some of you married couples, that's the most intimacy you've had in 2020, right there. Think, <laughs> like guy over here got a date. Good job, bud. <laughs> I want to give you four things that you need. You need today. Okay? You're going to realize that small groups meet all four of these needs. I didn't come up with these. These actually came out of a personality profile assessment. It's actually four aspects of a person's life. But when I start looking at these and things that, that people need, I realize small groups meets all of the needs. All right? Most people never get beyond the first aspect of life, but it's called the arena. You can write that down, the arena. Write this defin- definition down. It's where I know and you know. That's the arena. This is the public me. So there's some things that I know about you just greeting you on the porch today. There are some things you know about me just listening to me talk for 20 minutes. That's the public side of me. Now, there are some arena aspects of our lives, but again, it's not the real us. And that's why here's the first thing we need because it's just the public persona. Write this down. I need people who really know me. I need people, I need somebody, I need anybody who really knows me. Why? Because there's another side of me. 1 Corinthians 2.11 says this, For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the man's spirit within him? In other words, all of us have this other side, this inside side. We have a public side, but there's another side of us that's the real us, and that's the part we need to expose to someone. You say, Why? Why read? Why do I need to expose that? Somebody to know the real me. Because we all have that day where we're ready to check out. We get the bad news, we get the bad report, the doctor's diagnosis comes through, the bottom falls out. We need somebody. We don't need a church of 400. But we need a few people that love us and care for us and will pray for us. In fact, we train our small group leaders to pray for you. If you've signed up for a small group, you are getting prayed over by name every day. That's something we train them to do. When um, we started small groups and I really got invested in small groups, I saw one of the most beautiful things happen. Somebody experienced a great tragedy and uh, I heard about it here at the office. And I came to the house Of the person just to console with them and love them and grieve with them. And I got there about 30 minutes after I heard the news. And I got there and there was a small group already They beat me. And they were around that person praying and caring for them. And they looked at me like, what are you doing? Get out of here. We got this, right? No, they didn't say that. But I love that. Then I got to come in and spend 45 minutes to an hour with them and pray with them. And I left and they stayed. It's beautiful. That happens in the context of community, of small groups. Here's the second aspect of our lives that small groups make a difference in, and that's the mask. The mask. Let me define it this way. That's I know, but you don't know. I know, but you don't know. And I've got a mask, by the way. We all do. I've got some things you don't know about me, and you're never going to find out about me. But it's not safe unless some people know those things about me. I need people in my life that I trust that I can say, hey, I need you to pray for me. I'm struggling in this area. It's not safe if no one knows those things about me. Let me just say this to you, sir, ma'am, young person. If there's something that only you know about you that nobody else knows about you, you're not safe. You're not safe. You need someone, and I'll even say outside of the context of small groups, you just need a buddy that you can say, hey, this is the stuff that I'm dealing with. You need somebody who knows when you're tempted, somebody who knows your secrets, if no one knows, you're not safe. When I was um, eight years old, I was exposed to pornography, and uh, (laughs) my dad, rest his soul, he was trying to make me a man, thanks dad, Uh, and it messed me up in a bad way, and for 14 years I was very, very addicted to that. And uh, I tried so many times in those fourteen years to get over it. I tried and I tried and I battled and I battled and and it was this it was it's it's a secret sin right nobody knows I'll, I I'm strong I can overcome this no I couldn't and neither can you until you confess your sins to each other and pray for each other and then you get healed. So I started confessing that to. Two of my dear friends. I started confessing that to my future wife. Actually, she busted me and became an accountability partner and that's when I said, I got to get real about this. But when people knew my little secret, I got freedom. You can get freedom, but you got to get real with somebody. You got that mask. You got to take the mask off. I'm I'm not saying the whole small group. I'm just saying get in the small group and find that one person you connect with and say, hey, will you be my person? I need to tell some stuff to you that's not pretty. Hey, me too. Our struggles are all the same. You need a place where everybody knows your name. I pray you have someone that you've allowed to be honest with you in that kind of way, because we all need it. Look what the Bible says in Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful are the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So the Bible says the good guy, the faithful guy, is the one that says, hey, bro, we need to talk. You got to work on some stuff. That your enemy is the one that's coming up going, oh, you're the best. You're just wonderful. I love you. right? You need somebody who can be brutally honest with you. Here is the next one. And that's the, I missed one here. No. Okay. I'm sorry. I jumped one. I jumped one. Write it down. Uh, I need someone who's going to protect me. That's what you need. I need someone who's going to protect me. Protect me. I skipped a page, I apologize. They cannot protect you if they don't know what's going on inside of you. Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 4.2. It says, we refuse to wear masks and play games. Rather, I'm not going to have a mask, but we keep everything we do and say out in the open, the whole truth on on display. Y'all getting this, anybody? Okay, you need this. All right, here's the third one. I'm just talking about the aspects of a person's life. So you have the arena I know and you know. It's the public side of me, but there's that other side. That's why I need someone who really knows me. Then we have the mask. I know, but you don't know. I need someone who knows me, someone who's going to protect me and look out for my best interests. The third arena, or the third area, is the blind spot. Here's how that would be defined. is that I don't know, but you know. I don't know, but you know. I didn't know you acted that way, but you know I acted that way. Right? (laughs) It's that spinach in the teeth moment right we just hey how you doing you got like this your lunch and your your chompers right here right it's that bat in the cave moment you you know you need you need a buddy who goes hey hey you got a hanger you know you need somebody who's looking out for you right they know I don't know you need that person I'll never get in Austin Texas I got up to do the announcements one Sunday morning (laughs) and I was up there and one of our pastors down here he is he is giving me the signal he's going And uh, I caught it, man. I was like, oh, man. So, what did I do? What every pastor does. All right, everybody stand up and greet somebody around you. And then I just turned around. The whole worship team got to see everything. And we're ready to go, right? (laughs) I need that friend, right? I need that person. We were on TV. All right. You got blind spots. Here's why. Here's here's what you need. I need somebody who's going to be honest with me. I need somebody who's going to be honest with me. You need somebody to say, hey, you're not treating your wife right. you need somebody to say, hey, Bob, what's up with your attitude lately? Reed, you're, that's not good, man. You need somebody, what's your deal today? You need somebody to say that. Now, you've got to earn that right to be honest with me. I have a saying, this is a good saying, that if I wouldn't take criti- uh, advice from you, I don't take criticism from you. Oh, that's a preach right there. If I wouldn't come to you for advice, I'm not going to listen to your criticism. But there are people that are in my world that I would take criticism from. And if they said, "Read slow your roll, I'm going to heed that advice. Because I know they have my best interest in mind. I need somebody who's going to be honest with me. I pray you'll find somebody. Here's that verse I was showing you a minute ago, Proverbs 27, 6. Faithful to the wounds of a friend, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful. So you need somebody who's going to be that, hey... Man, what are you doing? What's, what's up with you and your marriage? you you, you got to get your life right. You need to get back in church. You need somebody in, you, in your life like that. Here's the last one, and that is the potential. And I would define this one as I don't know and you don't know. The only one that really knows your true potential is God. Like your true potential. In fact, that's my greatest fear in life is that I don't reach my full potential. I don't know what that is, but I want to reach it. And I don't know what that is. And you say, Reed, what does that have to do with small groups? How can a small group help me if only God knows my true potential? Here's how. Because God's system, listen to this closely, to pulling out your potential, God's system is you connecting with uh, another member of the body of Christ. That's why he calls it the body of Christ. You need to be on a team. So we have a thing called the dream team. And it's all the people that are serving in all these different capacities when you walk into the building. Now, some of you have come to next steps, and that is your on-ramp onto the dream team. And some of you have come in the last couple of months, and you say, I'm not on a team yet, and, and, and I apologize for that. We, we've kind of changed some things, but you're going to get a call this week. We want to get everybody on a team. But you want to be part of a team. You want to be connected to the body. You need to know we're supposed to be body parts so we're supposed to be a hand knowing where the wrist is we need to be a wrist knowing where the arm is we need to be an arm knowing where that huge bicep is why are you laughing uh we need the body right if you cut off your arm and you throw it on the stage you come back a week from now that thing's going to be nasty why because it's got to be connected for it to grow you've got to be connected to the body to grow and god says for you to reach your true potential you need to be connected to the body you need to be serving with the body that's why Ephesians 4.16 says each part does its work and helps the other parts grow so Christ's whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. What do we need on this one? Jot it down. Here's the last one. I need people who are going to grow me. And That's what happens when you're part of the body, is you grow. Simply put, your life can be changed powerfully by attending church. Jesus can touch you, but you need more than that. We recognize here at Colonial Hill that we need this large church because we want to make a large difference in our city, in our world. We know that. We need big church, but we also need small church because we need a place where we're known. Where they know your name, they're glad you came, they can protect you, they can be honest with you, and they can grow you. Here's the last verse. I think it's challenging. Proverbs 18.24 out of the English Standard Version. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin... So if you're one of those who says, I've got a lot of friends, read, the Bible says that's not good enough. You need a friend who sticks closer than a brother. You need that intimate friend. It doesn't have to be everybody, it just needs to be a few people. And I want to challenge you with everything within me to consider getting in a small group. Now we don't have a sign-up today in the Family Life Center i I'm taking an extra step. You're gonna to have to go to colonialhill.org in the next seven days and I want you to sign up scroll through now some of the groups are full we had 31 there's a handful of them that have already been full and they're at capacity we don't again we want it to be small we don't want 50 people going to these groups so I want you to go online I want you to look through the groups sign up for a few of them some of you sign up for one maybe you need to sign up for two and listen don't go if it's not helping you okay I always say why don't you date like three groups And then go to all of them and find the one that really works. That's okay, too. I don't want you to go all semester going, oh, sign up for this. This is boring. No, I want you to go where it's really helpful for you. And you look forward to it because you found that community. Someone who's honest with you, will protect you, will help you grow. Where they know your name and they're glad you came. Every fiber of my being wants to say, just jump online and sign up. Not for me, for you for you. Let me pray for you. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, thank you for this amazing church and the amazing work you're doing here. God, I simply pray that we'd all realize we need community. We need relationships, and we'd all have the courage to take our next step. In your name we pray.